Now, there were a couple of preachers that were out fishing. Some of you probably heard this story. And they were out, out on the lake, and they said, you know, it's really not fair. Everybody comes to us and tells us their problems. And we know their sins, and we know what they're struggling with. And, and you know, we've got to keep that secret. We don't get to share that with anybody. And, but we can't tell anybody what we're struggling with. And, you know, I mean, if we, if we told them, they'd fire us. And so here we are, we're all in the same boat, we're all preachers. Why don't we just use each other as a sounding board to just confess and share our troubles so that we can help each other grow and and get better spiritually? And so they all agreed, and the first one said, I just have to tell you, I'm a drinker. I've been struggling that since I was a teenager. When I became a Christian, I tried to quit, and I've I've struggled and tried. And and even now, in the bottom of my desk, there's a bottle, and and I I say I'm going to quit all the time, and I just need your prayers and help with that. the second one said, well, I, I'm a womanizer. I, I've, in fact, I've, I've had a couple of affairs with women in the church. And, and uh, you know, I mean, just it had just got bad to worse. And the third one looked at me and said, well, guys, you know, I uh, my problem's a little bit different than yours. I'm a gossip, and, man, I cannot wait to get home. You know, I imagine in that scenario we begin to realize that this little bitty, teeny tiny sin of gossip is a lot bigger than we might normally think. I fear that those two other preachers may have laid another sin against their charge while they were out on that lake that day. But the fact is, gossip is, it's a big sin. And we need to see it that way. In our give attention to reading, path through the New Testament. We read through the books of Timothy this week. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5, very interesting statement as Paul's talking about widows within the congregation and, and how the church is to relate with those widows. In 1 Timothy 5 and verse 11, Paul said, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have your younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. Apparently, the the situation at this time, because there was no Social Security, there were no retirement packages, if if a woman was a widow, and especially if her kid, if she didn't have kids or if her kids weren't taking care of her, she was, she was helpless. Nobody was taking care of her. And so they might place a widow, enroll her somehow within the church, and it appears that when that situation would happen, the church itself would be taking care of her full time. Her food, lodging, everything would be coming from the support from the congregation. And in exchange for that, there was some type of devotion that she had to the congregation, some kind of work that she would have, especially in the realm of prayer and service. Who knows, maybe Dorcas was in that kind of situation. Or, uh, but that seems to be what's going on. However, Paul says, if the, if the widow's young, don't do that. And one of the reasons is because, well, instead of being busy doing the things that she would be doing normally, helping to take care of her husband, helping to raise children, she becomes idle and now goes around from house to house. She's hearing things, but not only hearing things, she's telling things. 
becomes a gossip and a busybody. And because of that, it just, it just amazes me that because of that, because of the possibility of being a gossip, Paul says, you know, if the woman is young, you tell her to get married again because she needs to be busy. Because we don't want her gossiping. Now, I don't mean to present this idea as though gossip is somehow a woman's sin. I just am amazed that, that Paul recognized and the Spirit recognized that this is such a danger that instead of allowing a, a young widow just to remain single, she needs to get married again so that she can be busy in her own life instead of busy in everybody else's. Gossip. Paul said it was bad. And yet we classify it sometimes, oh, that's just one of the little white sins. I mean, I've never murdered, I've never committed adultery, I'm not a drinker, I'm not a druggie. I I don't do any of those big bad sins. I've never stolen anything. But I sure have told folks about things I've heard from other people. We've got to place gossip up there in, in the big sins, in the majors. Because as far as God is concerned, it's a really bad thing. And I'd like for us to consider gossip this morning and and take a look at our lives and make sure that we don't have gossip in our lives. And understand why we need to get rid of it. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise your name because you are awesome and powerful. Father, we're thankful for your love and mercy. You've taken so much care of us. You've blessed us with food to eat this week and clothes to wear, houses to live in, cars to drive. You've given us so much. And, of course, I'm just personally thankful because you've been with my brother. And I know that others here have family and uh, serious situations that they can offer up that same kind of thanks for. And we understand that even in this world, that even though you're with us, health doesn't always go our way and that anything can happen at any moment. And we're, But we're just in awe of you because we know that you're with us. And no matter what we face, you carry us through. And you're going to take us on to be with you in heaven by the blood of Jesus. And we're thankful for that. Because of that, Father, we want to serve you and glorify you. We want to be the kind of person that you want us to be. We want to speak the way you want us to speak. And we pray that you would help us to get rid of the sin in our lives. Help us to turn away from Satan's snares, from the temptations to, to spread the, the gossip and the slander that's be, that comes so easy for us sometimes because we want to feel important, because we want to, we want to feel better about ourselves and, and maybe look better to others. We pray that you would forgive us for that and help us to turn away from it. Help us to speak only words that build up words that glorify and honor you and edify others, giving grace to you. Thank you for your love, Father, and we pray that you would help us to grow. We love you. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to begin with some definitions of gossip and slander. Just take a look at these. This one comes from Spirits of the Diabetes, his word dictionary on the New Testament. He took a look at the words translated gossip and slander. He says that gossip really is a secret slanderer versus a backbiter who does his slandering openly. I just want you to hold that in your mind. After we look at these definitions, we're going to talk about some misconceptions that we have about gossip, just kind of based on these definitions. So the word that's translated gossip is a secret slanderer versus a backbiter who does his slandering openly. But then I thought, you know, slander and gossip, those are actually kind of legal terms that we use in our legal community. Black's Law Dictionary says that slander is the speaking of base and defamatory words tending to prejudice another in his reputation. And then just Webster's Dictionary tells us that slander, one of the definitions, the one that applies to our lesson, is to disgrace, to dishonor, to discredit. 
just consider for a moment what these definitions tell us about what gossip is and what slander is. And let's allow that to remove some of the misconceptions that we often have. The first thing I want to share with you is that as I've studied this in times past and over the past couple of weeks, I'm just reminded again that there is no line of demarcation. God didn't say, all right, these kind of things are gossip and these kind of things aren't. He didn't say, here's the line, here's, much you're allowed, here's how much you're allowed to say about a person, but don't go any further because that becomes gossip. There's, you know, we're not able to, to draw lines and boxes around certain things and say, this is gossip and this is not. What we have to learn is that we're supposed to live by the principle that we find in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 29, the Scripture there says, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen to this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the principle that is supposed to govern our speech. No corrupting talk. And then as it talks about that, it moves on. I think we see some things that are corrupting talk. If we're talking out of anger or bitterness or wrath or slander or malice, that is corrupting talk. We're not supposed to have it. Rather, we're supposed to be doing, giving speech that is edifying, speech that provides grace. Speech that demonstrates love, kindness, forgiveness, tenderheartedness. That's the kind of speech that we're supposed to be having. Gossip and slander don't fit within that. And so as we're trying to decide what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say, we need to be using these principles to make the decision. We're not going to be able to come up with, here's the box, let's stay out of that box. We just have to allow these principles to govern us. Is what I'm saying kind? Is it tenderhearted? Is it forgiving? Or is it based out of resentment and bitterness? Is it based out of malice and wrath and resentment? That's, that's the principle that we need to be keeping in our mind as we're trying to decide what we're allowed to say about people. Are the words that I'm about to speak, are they going to give grace to people? Are they going to edify them? Are they going to build them up? Is it edifying regarding the people I'm talking about? If they found out about it, would it edify them? Those are the principles that we need to consider. I just want to share with you some misconceptions that we often have about gossip. And, I, and hopefully this will help clear up some things for us. First of all, some think, well, it's true, so it's not gossip. Did you notice that in those definitions that I just shared you, there's nothing there about whether or not it was true or false. The issue is about gossip and slander is not whether or not it is true. The issue is what's your motivation in saying it. The issue is, is my motivation to mar their reputation? Is what I'm going to say going to defame them and prejudice people against them? If so, then it's gossip. I mean, the brother may have committed adultery 25 years ago, but, and it may be true, but why are you telling it now? Is it to defame prejudice against him? I don't know how many times I've heard that sort of gossip go on when when folks wanted to appoint people as elders. You know, he used to do this. Sure, it was true. But why were you sharing that at that time? Another one. I didn't mean to mar their reputation. See, what we just said was, it's about your, it's your motivation, it's your intention. And so some folks will say, well, I didn't mean to mar their reputation. Well, let me ask you, what did you mean? 
when you share this juicy little tidbit about something, exactly what were you meaning? The reason why I think we need to bring this up is, yes, I believe there are times when we have to share things that are negative, and, and there really is an appropriate time to, to share some things about people that, that we have to in various situations, and I'm not going to try to delineate every single one of them, but I just understand that it's there. But sometimes I think we're not really very honest with ourselves. I think sometimes we lie to ourselves. I didn't mean to mar their reputation. Well, just let's be honest. What did you mean when you shared that juicy tidbit? What did you mean when you looked both ways and said, hey, i got to tell you something. You know, a lot of times we may not consciously say that what I really meant was to make them look bad. Maybe we didn't, but did I mean to make me look good by comparison? What did I mean? But I think sometimes what we're, what we're doing here is, is being like children. Now, I've used this illustration before. No, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do that. Well, it's not enough to not mean to. We have to mean not to. I don't know how many times my kids have done something. You know, they knock the milk over. I didn't mean to knock the milk over. Well, the thing is, you've got to mean not to. I didn't mean to bang the wall. I didn't mean to break the window. I didn't mean... The thing is, you've got to mean not to. Because that's what's going to cause you to take the precautionary methods that keep you from doing those things. Third misconception. I don't want to gossip. I just want to let you know. Why? Is this something that I need to know? Why do you want to let me know? Have you talked to them about it yet? Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to come back to this passage a couple of times throughout the lesson, but Matthew chapter 18 points out who I, how I really need to be talking to. In Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you gain your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, and it goes on. Have you talked to them yet? Have you let them know? What is it that you expect me to do about it? You know, generally what this means is there's something that I don't like about this person and I want you to know that I'm better than them because I don't do this. It is so easy for us to take stock of everybody else's sin inventory and all their flaws and all their faults and be able to share that with others. But that's not our job. I'm, I didn't, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to gossip. I just, just want to let you know. Well, that's the point. You're not supposed to let me know. Because that's gossip. Well, I didn't mean to gossip. I just thought you might be able to help. This one's really not different than the last one. It just makes us feel better about it. What help did you expect me to offer? What did we just read in Matthew 18? If you really mean to help that person, what are you supposed to do? Jimmy, if you really want to help me because you know something about me, who are you supposed to tell about? Yeah, don't point to David. You're not supposed to tell David. You point to where I usually sit, right? Yeah. You're supposed to tell me. If you really want to help the person, quit being a coward and go talk to them. Now, if you've talked to them and they haven't listened, then we know we're supposed to go get two or three witnesses. I understand that. That's an appropriate time. But have you actually talked to them to help them? 
And one more. And I'm sure we could come up with a whole host of others. But another one. Don't worry. I would say this to their face. It's not gossip because I tell them to their face. Well, then hold on. Let's get them over here and I want to hear you tell it to their face. If you would tell it to their face, why aren't you telling it to their face? It's so funny how we can lie to ourselves about these things. And we, Well, I, I would if push came to shove. I mean, if they actually came up to me and asked me, did you really say this and I couldn't get out of it? Yeah, I'd admit that I said it to them. Or about them. That's just gossip. It's just slander. Why aren't you saying to their face? But then let's consider the other side of this. You remember what Zodiacy said about it. Gossip is the secret slander, slanderer as opposed to the one who backbites openly and maliciously. The fact that you might say it to their face doesn't necessarily change this being gossip. It may just be that in addition to, in addition to gossip, you're admitting that you're a malicious backbiter. And you'll be openly malicious to them. So, you know, just be careful. The fact that you might say it to their face doesn't necessarily mean you're not sinning. What's the motivation? But how bad can it be? Really, how bad can gossip be? I mean, it's not like we killed somebody. It's not like we stole something. It's not like we had an affair on our spouse. It's, I mean, all we did was say some things. How bad could that really be? Sticks and stones and break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, I'd just like you to consider what the Bible says about gossip. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20 talks about gossip. The text there says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. You remove wood from the fire, there's no more fire. How many arguments and quarrels and disputes would go away if people would just quit talking about it? And quit passing it on? And quit just letting everyone know? Just thought I'd let you know, you know they're the brother who did such and such. How many congregations could have avoided being split if the gossips had just shut their mouths? Psalm 15. Verse 1 and 3, this is really important. Psalm 15, verse 1 and 3. In Psalm 15 and verse 1, the psalmist says, Who can live on your holy hill? Who can dwell with you? This is about who gets to abide with God. This is about who God abides with. And in verse 3 it says this, The one who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. If we want to dwell with God we can't be gossips. God won't make His home with us. God won't abide with us if we're slanderers and gossips and talebearers and whisperers. If we're taking up reproaches against others. If we're passing on the juicy tidbits that make us feel so good. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Notice what God says to the Israelites in Psalm 50 about those who gossip. In Psalm 50, beginning at verse 19, You give your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. 
the gossip, the slander, the talebearer, the one who takes up a reproach against his brother. God says this is a person who's forgotten who God really is. And He says that judgment is going to come upon him. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. In Romans 1 and verse 28, Paul lists these sins. He said, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. These are bad people. These are people who have done really bad things. These are biggies, aren't they? Of course, we know in the context here, it's been talking about those who commit homosexuality. But that's what he goes on here. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now this is not saying that everybody who's gossip has committed all those other sins. It just amazes me the list in which gossip is placed. Haters of God? When we're gossiping, we're put on that list right next to haters of God. You ever thought about that when you were sharing your secret? Well, i got to tell you what, what sister so-and-so did. And oh, by the way, I'm a hater of God. That's pretty amazing. How bad can it be? Pretty bad. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. Within this context, we know he's talking about the qualifications of deacons. And my understanding is that verse 11 is talking about the wives of the deacons, and it says that their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And I think by extension, if, if, this, if the wives of the deacons have to be this way, then the wives of the elders have to be this way. God views slander and gossip so bad that if a man who wants to be a deacon or elder, if his wife is a gossip, he's not qualified to fulfill that role in the congregation. That's how bad gossip is. He doesn't even have to be the gossip. He, he could, his tongue could be as pure as the wind-driven snow. But if his wife gossips, he's not qualified to be a deacon or an elder. That's how serious it is. And finally, James chapter 1 and verse 26. And I realize this verse doesn't, speak, doesn't specifically refer to gossip, but it does refer to sins of the tongue of which gossip would be a part. And in James 1.26 it says, Religion that is pure and undefined... Excuse me. That's 127. 126 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Do you see what this is saying? This is saying I can be at the assembly every time the doors are open. I can put money in the plate more than anybody else. I can take the Lord's Supper only on Sunday and every Sunday. I can worship without instruments. I can do all of those things right. But if I am gossiping, all of that's worthless. All of it. We can stand in judgment over the denominations, over everybody out there about how they get all the pattern wrong, but if I'm gossiping, everything I'm doing is worthless and, and I'm going to hell just as much as anybody else. Undefiled religion means keeping control of the tongue. Now, that's not easy. As James will go on to say, but that's what we're working on. Gossip is serious. It's not a tiny sin. God paints a picture of the gossip. 
in Psalm 64. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 64. In Psalm 64, verses 1 and 2, David wrote, Psalm 64, verse 1 and 2, Hear my voice, O God. In my complaint, preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers. What on earth are these people doing? Uh, have they got some conspiracy on his life? Have they besieged Jerusalem and they're trying to destroy everybody within it, and including David? Well, as we continue to read the psalm, actually what we find out is no. They're gossiping. They're talking about it. And I want you to read the next couple of verses and take a look at the portrait of this gossip. In verse 3, it speaks about these evildoers. What do they do? They wet their tongues like swords. They aim bitter words like arrows. The tongue is a sword. The words are arrows. These are, these are weapons that are used to hurt, to maim, to kill. You know what? People in the world actually recognize how bad gossip is. I want to read to you. This is from a letter reportedly from the pen of Ann Landers. It's entitled, Nobody's Friend. Even Ann Landers gets it. My name is Gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and wreck marriages. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights, heartache and indigestion. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my name hisses. I am called gossip. Office gossip. Shop gossip. Telephone gossip. Church gossip. I make headlines and headaches. Before you repeat a story, ask yourself, is it true, is it fair, is it necessary? If not, keep it to yourself. People in the world get it. They understand how bad it is. How much more should we get it? The story's told of a young boy. He told a story about a neighbor. And for a couple of days and weeks felt really good in his confidence about what a great person he was in comparison to this person until he heard about a rumor that had been told about himself. And being hurt by it, he recognized what a travesty he had perpetuated against his friend. And so he went to his neighbor and he begged forgiveness and he apologized humbly and penitently. And the neighbor wisely accepted the apology. But he said, I want you to do something. I want you to go home and get your feather pillow. And I want you to take a knife and cut it open. And I want you to walk back to my house and let the feathers fall out. And so the little boy did that. And when he got back to his neighbor's house, the neighbor said, all right, now what I want you to do is I want you to go and pick up all those feathers. The little boy turned around, and the feathers were gone. The wind had blown them hither, thither, and yon. They were all over the place. He tried to get as many of them as he could, but, but he couldn't, couldn't get them all. He came back to the neighbor, and he said, I, I couldn't get them all. And the neighbor said, well, you see, that's, that's what you've done here. And I accept your apology, but I want you to realize that when you start telling tales like that, you can't ever get it all back. You can't ever stop it. It's out there, and the people who have heard it are never going to forget it. That's what gossip does. A reputation once tarnished sometimes never comes back. 
We continue in Psalm 64. In verse 4, it goes on to say, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. Here's a picture of a selfish coward. You know, doesn't it make us feel so important and so big as, as we're able to pass on some secret? We've got this, this really juicy information. We know this thing that, that nobody else except for all the people we've told, and of course we swore them to secrecy, don't pass it on, because that made us feel good. It's not gossip if, we tell, if everybody we tell, we tell them not to tell anybody, right? I should have had that as one of my misconceptions. It's, not, it's only gossip if they go ahead and tell somebody. Oh, we feel so good. But what this passage is saying is we're actually just selfish cowards. We're taking aim and we're shooting, but we won't even step out in front of their face and do it. We've got to do it from ambush. We've got to do it from behind the bushes where they can't see us. This is what a gossip is. A selfish coward. And he goes on, verses 5 and 6, they hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking who can see them. They search out injustice, saying we have accomplished a diligent search for the inward mind and heart of man are deep. I couldn't help but notice in these two verses the use of they and we, the plurals here. And what's presented here is a conspiracy. They're conspiring schemers. And if you think about it, that's gossip. Because you, you can't have gossip unless you have two people involved, right? the person who's talking, and the person who's listening. I want you to see this. When we're passing on our little juicy tidbits of information, we feel so good about ourselves, there's a little bit of a payoff there. A little bit of an emotional payoff. And for a little while, we feel bigger, we feel better, we feel stronger. But this is what God sees. A selfish scheming, conniving, malicious coward. We need to start seeing it the way God sees it. Because to God, it's not one of the little ones. It's a big one. And consider the outcome of the gossip there in Psalm 64. In verse 7 it goes on, but God shoots His arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. That's the outcome of gospel. The outcome. God, God will judge. Maybe we can hide from everyone else when we're gossiping, but God can see us. He sees behind the bushes where we're hiding cowardly. And He aims His arrows and pierces us. And what's amazing is that the arrows he uses are often our very own words. Remember Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15, Paul said, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. How many times have our words come back to haunt us? Gossip. Slam. So how should we respond? Look again in Psalm 64. I want you to notice how it ends, the psalm, in verses 9 and 10. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what He has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in Him. Let all the upright in heart exult. This is how we respond to gossip. We fear God and we refrain from gossip. We take refuge in Him instead of gossiping about others. We recognize that God is the judge. God is the one 
who is the knower of secrets, the revealer of secrets, we'll let him deal with it. And we won't gossip. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. We've already read it. We know what it said. It said that if I know somebody's done something, who am I supposed to go to? I'm supposed to go to them. I'm not supposed to go to the elders. I'm not supposed to go to the Bible class teacher. I'm not supposed to go to their friend who might have more influence. Where am I supposed to go? I'm supposed to buck up, put a tube up or down my back so that I have a little bit of backbone. I'm supposed to go talk to them. I'm even supposed to do that if the thing they did was gossip. Isn't that so amazing? I'm so upset that somebody gossiped about me, and so what do I do? I go up to Kurt and say, hey, Kurt, listen, you know what? You need to stay away from brother so-and-so because he's a gossip. That's kind of ironic, isn't it? If I know that somebody's gossiping, I go talk to them. Not everybody else. Don't go share with the elders. Don't hope that they'll fix it. I go talk to them. Then we look in the book of Proverbs, verse 20, or chapter 20 and verse 19. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19 tells us that probably it's better if we just stay away from gossips. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. You don't want your secrets told. Don't associate with gossips. Just stay away from them. This will, this will accomplish a couple things. Number one, well, it will protect me from, from the gossip. But number two, when am I most tempted to gossip? When I'm hanging out with a gossip. When they start sharing those juicy tidbits that just get me all fired up and make me feel special, I just stay away from that. It would just be better. And then finally, in the book of Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 21 and 22, it says, you know, don't take it too seriously. And this is, this is a personal practical issue. I, hope, I, I know that for some it may seem like that's a complete contrast to everything else I've said. We need to take gossip in our own life seriously. It'll cost us our souls. But when we hear about other things out there, Ecclesiastes 7, 21 through 22 says, Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. And basically what he's saying is, you know, don't, don't take it too seriously. Don't, don't lie awake, sleepless nights, all worried about what everybody else has said about you. You know what? That's their stuff. That's not your stuff. That's their sin. It's not your sin. They're the one that has to deal with that. Now, you may need to go talk to them, as Matthew 18 says. But don't spend all your time in anxiety about what other folks are going to think about your reputation. You know, the reality is, in the long run, the truth will out. Wisdom is justified by our children. And if we stay where we're supposed to stay, and instead of responding in kind, then in the end, others will know where we are. And we'll overcome by the grace of God. If you find out that somebody's been gossiping about you, don't, don't get all anxious and upset. Go talk to them when you need to. But realize that God's the judge. 
and God will deliver, and you can trust Him. Gossip is a bad thing. And we need to see it that way. It's not a small sin. At all. It's one of the biggies. How you been doing? On your way out, don't please don't come up to me and say, well, you know, the other day I said such and such. Was that gossip? Because I'm not the judge. You saw the principles. You've got to... It's got to be between you and God. I will say this. I would encourage you to err on the side of caution on this one. Don't see how close you can get to the possible gossip line that's out there somewhere. Pull back. If you're not convinced that it's absolutely edifying and bestowing grace on the hearers, just don't say it. Trust me, you will live. You will survive. Folks will still think you're wonderful. In fact, They'll think you're more wonderful because you will develop a reputation of the person that they can trust. And when they leave, you are aware, of course, that when you share your little secret with that other person, when they leave, they wonder what secrets you've shared about them, right? To other people. You realize they don't trust you anymore. In fact, they trust you less. You understand that, right? Because that's what happens. You will develop a reputation as a person that can be trusted. How are you been doing on this? 